about continuing evangelism um, we'll be talking about specifically evangelizing Roman Catholics so I'm going to be sticking very close to the script here because I'm not an expert in this so um, but why don't I open with a quick word of prayer Lord God we thank you uh, for your gospel we thank you that that you have chosen to bring us into your kingdom. We thank you that we heard the glorious word of the gospel at one point in time for each of us and, and that we believed and, and that we are saved in your son. And we just thank you for that. Thank you that we have the opportunity to take this gospel to others. What a privilege that is and a privilege that we so often uh, neglect and so we just want to be better equipped to bring this good news to others. And so help us this morning to learn some things, to, to become better prepared to share the gospel, particularly uh, with uh, those Catholic folks that we might know that are at work, our neighbors, even in our family. And so help us this morning just teach us in Jesus name amen so so who all here was was Catholic at one point in time you were raised Catholic yeah I know I know Norma so talks about here it says Catholics are of 70% of the world's population, it says, are Catholics, and that 1.8 billion of them throughout the world. Um, so most of us know someone who's Catholic, or at least are acquainted uh, with someone. And, and um, so most of us have an opportunity at some point in time to bring the gospel to someone who is um, Catholic. Um, one thing I think probably just the, the ones that we know, the ones that we've encountered, we, we probably under, understand that there's a wide variety within, you know, amongst Catholics as, as far as their sort of level of commitment. <laughs> their level of knowledge of the actual Catholic doctrine. And so it's, um, there's not like a one, <laughs> one size fit, fits all way of approaching, you know, folks that are Catholic that, um, that we might encounter. Um, but it helps in order to be equipped, it helps to understand a little bit of what they believe, or at least what they're taught. Um, 
So, um, so Laura, when, when you grew up, did you, how would you characterize yourself as far as your, were you a committed or a super? <laughs> Oh yeah, so 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 you knew yeah so you were ready. I mean you knew the doctrine you knew what was taught and <laughs> yeah so I mean yeah so Norma. You had a lot of questions too, I know, because <laughs> I, yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah. So a lot of a lot of Catholic folks out there are, um, they're not that all that committed to the doctrine, and so it's, um, um, so probably you know it's a matter of I think with each individual then it's a matter of sort of finding out where they are. And, and stuff like that. So one thing about um, Catholics is there's a lot of things that, um, that are true, that they believe. There's a lot of true things that, that it's taught and that uh, most Catholics believe. And so some of those might be um, God is the creator. Um, the Trinity. Uh, they believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. They believe that uh, we're saved by faith. There's, but a lot of a lot of the things. There's the same. The words that are being used are the same, right? But uh, it, it might not when it when it drill up right down into it might not mean the same thing so that's so that's one thing I guess the thing for you know some of us is that uh, it's not a matter of winning a debate so if we get into a discussion with someone on doctrine or something like that it's um, we, we need to keep in mind that the goal is the same as with anyone that we're sharing the gospel with. And that goal is not to win an argument, not to win a debate, but that goal is to give the gospel with the hope that they receive it and come, come to Christ. And so, so for this lesson, the, the the lesson that, that I'm following here, basically um, looking at two areas, and that's the where um, there is quite a distinction and um, something that it's good to understand in order to sort of be equipped to talk to someone, and that's the doctrine of the Word of God, how, how Scripture is viewed. And the next one is the doctrine of salvation, which is which is the root. So, morning. 
So, um, the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church flows logically from the way that they view authority. Um, when you start to ask questions around the issue of authority, it becomes clear. There's a quote here. It says, Bible, the Bible alone leads to Christ alone. The Bible plus some other means of revelation leads to Christ plus some other means of salvation. So, so it really starts with the fact that we, we have the term as, as Protestants or as Bible-believing Christians, we have the term sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. So Catholicism does not teach that. They teach that scripture plus authority and then the um, sort of the collected teachings of the church that has been collected over the years. And, and so that allows then all these other doctrines to uh, trickle in that, that aren't straight from, from the Bible. Um, it, here's a quote from, says it's from the, cat, the catechism. It says, the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the word of God, whether it is written, written form or in the form of tradition, with capital T, has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the church. This means the task of interpretation has been entrusted to the bishops in communion with the successor of Peter, the Bishop of Rome. So, the teaching is, and this is I, I, my discussions I've had. I, this is the thing that comes up when we're talking about scripture. Is like, how do you know what you believe is right? And it's like, how don't we need someone? Don't we need some authority to tell us the the right interpretation? And it's like we need an authority, and so that's that's what the church is. But what's a good answer to that? <laughs> it's sort of, I mean, on its face, it's like, it's sort of a reasonable, reasonable argument. It's like, because it is true, there's a lot of uh, different interpretations, all sorts. So, you know, amongst Protestants, and this is, um, Catholic friends that I've talked to, this quick to point out that there's all sorts of different uh, denominations among Protestants, and it's like, well, see, there's no unity. Uh, everyone, it's almost like it's uh, it's a free for all. You know, people are allowed to believe what they want, and so it's it's in a sense, it's like there's well, it's sort of a reasonable <laughs> argument, you know. Um, so they say, but you know, most Catholics basically we're told what this is what the church tells us. This is the right thing to believe. And um, so it's on its face, it's a, you know, it sounds like a reasonable argument, but um, 
so uh, you know one I one I guess it's um, it's um, let's see <laughs> I'm sorry the thing is uh, the thing that I've personally that I've um, used the I guess the counter argument I've used is how <clears throat> well how do you know that that they're you know that the churches how do you know their interpretation is is right I mean who who has determined that their their interpretation is right I mean eventually you're still getting to to a person um, is is saying what is correct and um, it's um, the word of God itself talks about um, that scripture is given to us and that the spirit gives us the the power and the wisdom to believe but the word of God says that it's scripture alone that is the authority and that's really what it comes down to it's sort of like you, you can get caught up in all these other arguments but I think the main point and the main thing to stress is that it's scripture alone that the Bible really doesn't give room for um, another authority and there's some there's some verses for that but I think we're going to get to that later so this is just sort of going over this is what how Catholics approach it and officially it's that scripture is scripture alone is not the authority but the church itself has equal even more authority than scripture and so um, that's really the important thing and that's sort of the root of everything else is um, is that belief and so in addition to then the view uh, of scripture is and what leads right out of that is the view of um, salvation and so that this lesson um, has broken this up into a number of sort of considers what the um, root the key issues are there's there's so many so many things that can um, get into different areas that we would consider heresy we would consider false teaching but a lot of these can maybe um, you can get hung up on some of these things and you start to deviate from what the root the root of this is and that's understanding helping your Catholic friend to understand um, what um, what is wrong with the, their approach to uh, salvation and their understanding of salvation um, or help them to understand what is true concerning the true teaching of uh, regarding salvation but so to understand that here's some of the the doctrines of 
the Catholic Church and how you can see how it deviates from what we understand to be the true teaching of Scripture. And so first is the area of sin. And so Catholic doctrine teaches they differentiate between mortal and venial sins. And, and they use 1 John 5, 16 to 17, say some sins lead to death. I'm not, I'm not gonna reference the scripture during this part in time because they're using it incorrectly. And so we'll wait till we get to the second half, which is sort of how to then, what the message to bring. Um, so they have venial sins. Uh, they look at 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 15. Venial sins are symbolized by wood, hay, and stubble. Mortal sin is the true nature of sin where it um, transgresses the divine law and severs person from God. Venial sin does not destroy union with God and is repairable. It merits temporal punishment, not eternal. Um, teach that human, human nature has not been totally corrupted, it is wounded in the natural powers proper to it. Baptism erases original sin and turns a man back to God. So um, the sin is broken down into those two categories, which is, you know, it's the Bible, sin is sin, if we've broken one, part of the law we've broken the whole law is what the Bible teaches. Um, but Catholicism doesn't teach it that way. Grace, and you'll see, you know, all of, all of these terms, well, most of them, I think all of these, well, yeah, most of them are things that we, words that we use are, that are central to um, what the Bible teaches about salvation. Um, yet there's differences, and so that's, and that's some of the problem is the words can be the same, the language can be the same, but it's really talking, talking about two different things. Uh, if you were to look up grace in a Roman Catholic dictionary, you'd find multiple entries. What kind of grace are you talking about? And it's complex. It's not only favor from God, but also assistance God gives to help um, us earn favor. The grace given through baptism can't be merited, but the grace he gives to the rest of life can. And then we merit for ourselves and for others the graces we need for sanctification and for the attainment of eternal life. The key word here, and here's the, a, um, a quote, is, um, I think it's in this one. Uh, well, the key word is cooper cooperation. Um, salvation happens when a man cooperates with God. Therefore, this free gift of grace can be merited. So that's sort of the, that's the key um, word that pops up a lot, at least in this, in how this, they're presenting the information here is that there's grace, God provides grace. Um, we have faith, but it's all, a co we're cooperating with God. 
and that our cooperation is part of, of what saves us and the justification. It, so justification is um, what is attained through that cooperation. Um, the, the 16th century Council of Trent famously rejected salvation by faith alone. It said, if anyone saith that by faith alone the impious is justified in such wise as to mean that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to obtaining the grace of justification, let him be anathema or eternally condemned. So in other ways, in other words, if anyone says that nothing else is required other than faith, um, that they're eternally condemned. So, which is interesting because that sort of says exactly the opposite of what it said in like Galatians, right? <laughs> and so, but to me that, that sort of, that stands out, that, that, that was very helpful to me to, to understand that that sort of is, um, that helps me to, I think, communicate and talk to, to a Roman Catholic or someone who's really steeped into that is this understanding of cooperation. It's like um, they might use the same words. Yeah, I believe we're saved by faith, faith, God's grace. But even if they maybe can't articulate it, and I remember in one, one case, one guy that I would talk to a lot, the grown up Catholic, I mean, their family, were, they were like super Catholics. And, um, we, and I was a young Christian, I couldn't quite figure out. I knew sort of, you know, I knew what he believed wasn't quite right. And I, I wasn't quite sure how to articulate it or how to really identify it. But this really helped me, just the understanding that, that um, they believe there's this cooperation. It's like God does all these things that we say, but it's in cooperation. There's this, uh, um, there's, you know, their part of it is also going on. Their, their part of it is also what's required. And so, then it doesn't become, you know, it doesn't become God doing the work to save us, you know. So it's, so that's, you know, really central. That's central to their understanding, or at least the teaching of what they're taught as, as far as salvation goes. Um, so the sacraments, I mean, that's something I think we all understand that is different is there's how many sacraments to the Catholics? Seven? Yeah. yeah. So, and we, let's see, we don't call them sacraments. So we have two of them, which are, what do we call them? Not sacraments, but uh, always. Yeah. So. Well, here's, here's the, the list, the seven sacraments, baptism, confirmation, communion, or Eucharist is called, penance, marriage, taking of holy orders, and last rites, final rites are the 
ordinances. Ordinances, yeah. So we have, of course, um, out of the seven, we baptism and communion, although communion is different concept um, for us. Um, so, what's that? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's works. Yeah, so it all becomes works where we, we consider it as acts of obedience, but it's not required for salvation, you know, otherwise. And I, and I know they have ways, I know within that, that there's ways of accounting for it, but you know, I think of what about the thief on the cross? You know, he he didn't do any of these things yet. Jesus said, "You'll be with me today in paradise." So, um, but it um, so for uh, yeah, and just like I think yeah, here's the quote: the Roman Catholic. The Roman Church affirms that for all believers, sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. Uh, baptism of an infant removes original sin and justifies the person as the child of God. Confirmation is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where the person is now <clears throat> responsible for their faith. Confession slash reconciliation enables the forgiveness of mortal sins. Um, and then communion atones for sin and imparts the grace of Christ to the recipient. And, um, and then the last rites or the extreme unction is, yeah, it's like you're required for that, you know, before you die. And so it's just, um, it, I mean, it's, um, it places that heavy burden upon you that, that Jesus removed, you know? That's, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's sad because in Jesus we're, you know, we're released from <laughs> the curse of the law and the weight of the law and the requirements of the law. Jesus fulfilled that, and so, you know, this is putting back upon us that heavy burden of, you know, not, not only the law, but, you know, additional requirements of even another law. As far as forgiveness, you know, of course, uh, Catholic doctrine teaches forgiveness, but there's re these requirements. Um, Catholic must confess to a priest, be truly sorry, do penance in order to receive forgiveness. Of course, that's not one time. Have to keep doing it over and over and over again. And so, you know, famously, you know, Martin Luther would, he was so weighed down by his sin, he he would, in fact, he would drive, you know, in, he would drive the priests, the, the, his, I don't know what you call it, but supervising, you know, the priests 
that were over him. He would drive him nuts because he would just be constantly going. He was so weighed down for sin, and he, he realized as time went that he could not rid himself of the guilt of the sin, and he never felt like he had forgiveness. You know, he, he realized that, and um, so, and it's true, by doing these things, it's just, there's no, there's no way to be, to ever get to that point where you, f- where you feel like you have this real forgiveness, and that's the, um, you know, and that's the, that's the weight and the burden that, that Jesus um, frees us from. And so, um, purgatory, and that's where that going back to those venial and mortal sins. So, um, <clears throat> those venial sins have to be. It's like, and this is where Jesus. Even though, even for a good Catholic and stuff, the blood of Jesus still has not, you know, taken care of all the sins. There's still more payment that needs to happen, and that's where purgatory comes in. Although that was something that didn't, that you know, that came along in the, like the 1500s, I think, uh, was the first time when that was taught, but. Um, which is sort of interesting too. I mean, if you know something that is a you know supposed to be a truth or a requirement, you know, why would it just pop up? You know, at this point in history, it sort of that sort of doesn't make sense. But um, and the other one is um, that they mention here that's a big difference is. Uh, how they view Mary and also the saints. And essentially there's other intermediaries apart from Christ that um, are available or, um, which is really, I mean, I mean, that's really, that's really a huge heresy. Um, And I didn't realize this, but in reading this, and maybe, Laura, you, you can relate to this, but it says a lot, of, a lot of the attitude among a lot of Catholics is that Mary is much more approachable. And a re, having this relationship with Mary and sort of like, re, she's more approachable than Jesus. And that um, that Mary that and I didn't realize this either that the uh, count in the New Testament Mary where Jesus turned the water to wine that Mary had the authority and that she continues to have this sort of authority yeah and so that I I thought I was in I didn't really realize that but okay yeah and so and so yeah sort of this so you know doing the rosary and all this kind of stuff is like approaching mary and then mary will intercede like with jesus it sounds like and um it's just 
other words, Jesus won't deny her request. Yeah, yeah, that he can't. He had he he, he has authority. Yeah, and so that, I mean, it seems it seems strange to me, but I think you know, growing up in that, it it. Yeah, I think Norma, you were sort of the same way, right? With like the your attitude towards Mary, that was one of the things that was sort of clung to. Mary, I mean, I looked at her as yes, she was the mother of Christ, and you should respect her because she is his mother. But I also thought that Jesus was not going to be Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think there's a lot of different, I don't know, different degrees of attachment or something, and that's one thing that it brings out, sort of in summary with all of this, using using that maybe to demonstrate that. As we approach those who um, are steeped in this doctrine to one extent or the other, we ought to be sensitive to, and I've learned this, I've learned this, you know, uh, the hard way. We ought to be sensitive to these folks and realize that um, the attachment that someone might have to, like maybe the doctrine regarding Mary, um, or maybe, you know, communion or something like that. Um, we need to be sensitive to not sort of come in and, and try to clobber this doctrine in such a way that it, you know, it might really, um, it might close the door to be able to reach them, to be able to communicate. Because some, there's, sometimes there's some really, um, um, I don't know, deep attachments to some of these things, and it's... Well, the thing is, you might look at the wedding in Cana, they play heavy on that, they have no wine, Jesus yeah. sort of rebukes her, but then he goes ahead and takes her request. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I guess, um, I guess the thing is, and the way I've, conclusion I've come to, and I think probably sort of um, what this is leading to is that um, sometimes we can get hung up on some of these things that um, are f- false doctrines, yet we're not really getting to the heart of the issue, the heart of of the gospel, and so I know I have to be careful not to be going down uh, these, going down the road of trying to, I don't know, disprove or show where this particular doctrine is wrong, where really we need to get to the gospel and um, talk about what's true and then um, as those other issues come up then we I guess ought to have an understanding of how they differ but be able to 
deal with those through through scripture ideally but so it's similar just like just like we've been talking about through some of these other lessons really the approach is the same and that's to um, talk about God man Christ and then the response and so there might be some differences so some of the differences as far as God are there's a lot that we believe the same, you know, like we were saying that they believe in a triune God. They believe, you know, God is the creator, that he has authority and all of these things. Um, what might be different is understanding of what of God's, um, I don't know his his uh, his attitude towards sin and his. that's a good point and so that yeah and that gets with with man too it's like there's sinfulness of man but yet um we believe we're corrupted by sin yet um the difference is that man can have part, some part to play in the sal in salvation that there's a cooperation uh with god that's required that man actually plays a big part in salvation um christ there's we both believe we that christ is um the son of god is is god that god become man um yet they we, we all believe that he went to the cross and died for sins, yet there's this sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah, right. That, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's actually an interesting, I don't know, you know, uh, illustration, I guess, to, to, that'd be interesting to be able to, you know, use that illustration to talk to someone who's Catholic. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is the other thing, you know, the indulgent stuff that you can actually, yeah, and you can work for someone else's yeah, salvation. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's like, uh, and they acknowledge, from what I understand, they acknowledge that that's not in Scripture, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and then the last one, the response, I mean, that's where the, the huge distinction is as far as, you know, the response to the truth of the gospel is we believe faith alone and that God has done all the work um, so there's really doesn't get into it, but I, um, someone read, um, second Corinthians, second Corinthians five, 21. Okay. For our sake, oh nice, this is like one of Victor's conferences coming here today. Okay. <laughs> For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right, so that's a good, that right there is to me, um, is <clears throat> sort of highlights a big distinction. That's a truth that is, um, is not within the Catholic doctrine. And that is, in fact, there's like technical term that we believe in the impute, let's see. The imputed righteousness where the Catholic teach more, I think it's an infused righteousness. So, in other words, the righteousness that we receive through Christ is God has declared us righteous because Jesus was actually righteous. He lived a completely righteous life and he died for our sins. So our sins, he, he bore our sins and he has declared us to be righteous. So I guess that's what the word imputed means. It's a delight, it's accounted to us. Um, it's not that we were, the Catholic teaching is that God's grace is actually infusing, giving us some righteousness, but that righteousness is, it's fleeting. It needs to be applied to us over and over. And that's through, that's where all these uh, sacraments and stuff come in. So when God looks at us, he sees the certain amount of righteousness that he's applied to us, but it's it's stained by this little bit of sin that now needs to be dealt with. And so there's, there's never this full righteousness, which with script, what the Bible teaches in verses like that is that because of what Christ has done, 
because Christ is, was and is completely, totally righteous, God, and because he has paid the price for our sin, now God looks at us and he declares us, he accounts us to be completely righteous. And that, right, and that declaration is forever. And so, and that's, and that seems weird to some, to some Catholics. I know at least one guy that I, that I would talk to a lot. Um, it seemed very foreign. And so that was a lot of the discussion we had was sort of concerning that. Um, but that's the, I mean, that's the glorious truth of the gospel is that we don't have to, we know we're not righteous in the way that we live, the way that we act um, in this body. We know that. But God has the 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 grace the the wonder of it is that God has declared us righteous and he he looks at us and he accounts to us the same righteousness that Jesus actually had and that's why we can be forgiven that's why we can be justified and so it doesn't have anything to do with us cooperating because it was all Jesus' righteousness. And so um, that's sort of, that was one of the, I found that to be a f an effective way to communicate with him. Go ahead, Annie. How come I hear the story so often they got their hands up like this? My good works, my sins, and how they balance out. And if my good works outweigh my sins, I go to heaven. If my sins outweigh my good works, I'm off to hell. And of course, there's a tendency to exaggerate a little more on my yeah. good works and minimize my sins. So everyone yeah. is, figures they're off bound to heaven because they got that name Catholic. Yeah. yeah. I think... I think actually that right there is not actually the Catholic doctrine. And that sort of brings to the point of in reaching folks, there's going to be all sorts of, there's a wide spectrum. There's some that... Well, we get that doctrine from someplace. Well, yeah, but I mean... I think part of it is that's how some Catholics... Or idea or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Because... You know, you'll hear a comment if you do some kind of good work or something. Hey, you got a few points to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I the doc, the Catholic doctrine itself has, you know, has these system of sacraments, and so you got to follow these, and it's, it's, it's almost like keeping, keeping ahead of the sin that's building up. You know, got to, got to do these things, and, and. Except for maybe the, the the holiest of the saints, everyone's going to fall short when when they die. So now there's a little. If if you die and you've satisfied these certain um, sacrament requirements, you're okay as far as the mortal sins. But now you got all these other venial sins that have to be taken care of and and all of that. So it's sort of like staying ahead staying ahead and um, cleaning up, you What's know. What's a venial sin? 
Those are ones that aren't mortal sins. I, I don't So if you're if you're the godfather and you've you know you've had all these people killed but then you've confessed, you know, you confess before you die and you've given all sorts of money and whatever, all these different things, you know, as your penance. Um now you're probably gonna have to go to purgatory for a long time, but hey, you're in because you've confessed, right? You've had the last rites and you know, so it's very it is very transactional. I mean that's it's transactional, and so for sure. And so, but the point it makes here in my experience is that a lot of Catholics, in fact, it says here most Catholics don't really believe all of the Catholic doctrines. A lot, I mean, they might know them, but they don't really know them that well, and they haven't thought of them that much, and so their ideas aren't really that Catholic, but, and so that's part of, <clears throat> as we sort of come to a clo close, that's really getting back to the, I think the point is to understand, sort of have a, a, a basic knowledge of what is involved in the doctrine, but understand that every Catholic isn't well, bound to the, all the doctrines of the Catholic Church. From what I hear, a lot of it is, is what the preacher, priest teaches and yes. passes on to you yeah. because uh, their understanding is, hey, I can read the Bible, but man, hey, what the priest says about it is what counts. Yeah. Not the, yeah. the English or words say. Well, in fact, uh, I'm incompetent to... to understand the Bible. Yeah. I need the priest to interpret it for me. That's true. And, and that's sort of what it got into the, in the begin, the early in this, and I didn't go into it, but it, it talked about how there are different sort of strains of Catholicism that are very regional. So South, in South American stuff, they're very social justice kind of stuff. And so it's and been really infiltrated by communist ideology and stuff like that. So that's really big in South America. In fact, the Pope now is came from there. So really a big social justice strain where, um, and so there's gonna be differences. And Henry, I think you're right. It's sort of like, what are they being taught uh, locally or whatever? But, um, <clears throat> So you have to 
God is the ultimate authority. They look at everybody else, and like Mike said, they look at the Pope. Oh, he's the ultimate authority, he's the final authority, and that's it. They don't, a lot of them won't think for themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's, that's why it's important that we do encounter a Catholic, and this is just kind of for me, don't stand there and tell them you're wrong right away. Because the minute you do that, they turn it off, and they don't hear anything you say. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as, I... <laughs> Yeah, this guy that I would talk to in college a lot, you know, he was Catholic, so he became saved. Um, and it was, he, so he would go back to his family, and his, his family, his brothers and stuff were making fun of him. He told me this one story, I always remember this. They were trying to say, oh, oh, now you're reading the Bible and you're living by the Bible, and they couldn't, they were trying to come up with a name and go, oh, like Scripture 53. And he's going, what, what, you, was, is that? It's like they, they, they were, the Bible is so foreign to them. They, they didn't know, you know, they'd grown up going, you know, Catholic and stuff, but they didn't know a book of the Bible. So that, that surprised me. But it's like, yeah, some Catholics, they don't, they've never looked at the Bible. So... Yeah. And that nobody touched it. Yeah. And at church they had the missalettes that we would use. And then as a teenager, of course, you're not open at anything. So. Yeah. And that's what they, yeah, that's what they think is the Bible, is the missalette. They read their little verse mm. before that Sunday, and it's like, okay, I'm good. So, yeah. So if somebody, like, if uh, somebody comes to you and you have a little Bible study or yeah yeah and so it's it's um you know so i think the in summary and as y'all brought out it's important to to talk to be sensitive and to ask questions to try to find out you know where a person is and to preach the gospel go to the gospel and the other thing is there are you know there are some people in the within Catholicism that are genuinely saved. They've taken the light that has been given them, and God has used that to um, change their heart and to bring them to a saving relationship. Their doctrine was not completely correct, you know, but that's the way it is with a lot of young Christians in a lot of different places. So. But again, the, the right approach is to talk about the gospel and to preach the gospel and then, you know, just to preach truth and to ask questions and to, and, you know, really the same approach. So um, I'll go ahead and close it here. Sorry, that was very fractured and stuff. This was sort of a tough one. I'm not an expert on Catholicism, so it was... Um, but, you know, like with everyone that we encounter, the right thing to do is to talk about the gospel and talk about that gospel message. God, man, Christ, and then how we respond to it. And that we can never go wrong. <laughs>